This is the Responsible Sports Podcast, presented by Liberty Mutual Insurance. In this episode, we're joined by Doug Beal. Responsible Sports is a program dedicated to supporting youth sport coaches and parents who help our children succeed both on and off the field. Each episode, our host, Jim Thompson, Executive Director of Positive Coaching Alliance, will be joined by professional coaches, Olympians, world-class athletes, general managers, and leading youth sports experts who share their insights from their own sports careers. In this podcast, Tina Sire, Chief Impact Officer of Positive Coaching Alliance, steps in for Jim and talks with former Olympic gold medal winning coach and the current CEO of USA Volleyball, Doug Beal. Part of honoring the game, I think, is respecting and honoring your opponent. Um, and one of the things we try to teach is, you know, celebrate your successes, don't necessarily celebrate your opponent's failures. And we, we try to teach in volleyball where you, you have this separation of with the net, et cetera, that when you celebrate, celebrate internally on your side of the court, not looking at the opponent. Doug emphasizes to younger players the importance of honoring and playing the game the right way. Doug also encourages parents to be as knowledgeable and active as they possibly can be in their child's youth sports experience. Doug, I want to start off by introducing you to our responsible sports audience. Doug Beal is a volleyball Hall of Famer with a long track record of success as a player and coach and now CEO of USA Volleyball, the sport's national governing body. A five-time All-America player at Ohio State University, he was selected to three U.S. Olympic teams. His early coaching career included stops at Bowling Green and Ohio State University. In 1977, he became head coach of the U.S. men's national team and in 1984 led the squad to its first-ever Olympic gold medal. He stepped down as coach after those Los Angeles games, but the systems he'd installed remained in use and helped the team to a repeat victory in 1988 at the Seoul Olympics. Doug served as USA Volleyball's National Team Center Director from 1985 to 1987 and remained involved with the organization until 1990, when he moved to Italy to coach a top professional team. He returned to USA Volleyball in 1993 as a special assistant to the CEO. In 1997, Doug started his second stint as head coach of the men's national team, leading it to the 2000 and 2004 Olympics. He's been CEO of USA Volleyball since 2005 and holds a master's degree in education from Bowling Green, a PhD in exercise physiology from Ohio State, and an honorary doctorate from Springfield College. Doug, thanks for joining me and the Responsible Sports audience today. Tina, thank you very much. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm delighted to be here. So, Doug, um, I think it's pretty rare for um, a former player to reach the very top administrative position of a national governing body. And I'm curious if you feel like, um, you know, the success that you experienced on the court and then the skills that are required to be effective in the boardroom, if there's an overlap there. And if you can sort of talk about your volleyball experience helping shape you as a, um, as a top player, a top coach, and now a top executive. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting uh, starting point. Um, I think it is a little bit unusual and, and maybe 
Uh, part of it is because of the evolution of our sport in, in this country. Um, many of us who grew up um, when I did uh, playing volleyball in the 1960s and maybe uh, even even earlier, um, sort of got involved in managing our own careers. And, uh, and so a number of people of my generation, I think, um, have perhaps a different perspective on uh, on our, I don't know, skill set, I guess. Um, we did some coaching while we were playing. We organized our teams. Uh, we traveled. You know, when I grew up playing uh, our sport, uh, there, weren't, there weren't very many opportunities for young people. Um, the club system that's pretty common, not only in volleyball, but uh, lots of other sports in our country, uh, really didn't exist at that time. And so uh, I think that may have had something to do with it. Um, I think I was very fortunate to uh, to interact with um, some really wonderful human beings uh, in, in the coaching uh, world. Uh, and and I, I think I was influenced by them and, and maybe got involved in some organizational uh, sort of opportunities and maybe some governance within, uh, at that time, uh, the United States Volleyball Association, now called USA Volleyball, mm -hmm. um, back in Ohio where I grew up. So maybe that had a little something to do with it. Um, uh, I, I, I was sort of blessed, I guess, in, in a certain way to, uh, to have those experiences, and, uh, and I think that's helped uh, to sort of give me a background uh, to be able to be CEO because um, it's a uh, it, it's a challenging uh, challenging sports world that we operate in today. Talk to me a little bit more about that. When you say it's a challenging sports world, um, what do you mean by that? And maybe how does it look different from when when you were growing up playing? Well, so so much of the the world that young people grow up in today is is outside of the educational. Uh, uh, environment that I think many of us uh, associate with uh, with how you progress uh, from a from a young athlete to maybe a um, a more accomplished athlete. Um, so many sports are um, being played at a high level uh, in the club world outside of schools, um, and so. There's much more, I think, of a balance between the entrepreneurial initiatives of the club owners or the facility operators, the coaches. Um, I think the standards aren't consistent. Mm -hmm. um, there, there isn't the sort of national governance that uh, I think was, was more available through the, uh, through the educational world. Uh, and lots of that, I think, has to do with with a normal initiative by lots of young people to want to be great and pursue excellence. And uh, sometimes that's hard to do within the maybe the confines of a season within high school or junior high school or or even college sometimes. But but I, I think we've also lost something, um, and so the. Uh, you know, the club world, the, the private entrepreneurial world, uh, I think, does a more random job of balancing the, uh, the protections that would be nice for athletes, the, the, the coaching education piece, the, uh, I don't know, the, the, 
the security and the consistency that, that perhaps was more available uh, through the high school, junior high school world, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. I think you make a great point. I mean, when I was growing up, I feel like the majority of my coaches, even in at my school, were teachers and were sort of consistent with the school's teaching and educational philosophy. And now it's it's really rare. You know, it's like they're bringing in, you know, the, the soccer expert or the volleyball, volleyball expert to be the coach rather than drawing on, on a teacher or someone with that sort of similar mission. I'm, I'm curious when you think about sort of a great youth volleyball coach, um, sort of what constitutes that great youth coach, if you could describe that coach for our responsible sports audience? Yeah, I, I'm not sure that there's a single model, but, but some of the things that, that come to mind are awareness and sensitivity to age-appropriate mm-hmm. um, mechanics, I guess. What's appropriate for a 10-year-old that might be different for a 14-year-old or different for an 18-year-old? Mm-hmm. I think that's perhaps one of the most important uh, skills of a, of a great youth or junior age coach. Certainly understanding um, the sport you're involved with or, you know, good teaching principles that generally would be involving motor learning, I think, and uh, how skill is acquired and uh, what's, what's the best use of time, things like that. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to add that just a, an open, engaging personality is, hmm. is maybe as important as, as almost anything. Uh, you know, for, for young people to to want to be involved and for the enjoyment and, and maybe something we talk about a lot, that this pursuit should hopefully be for a lifetime. There really has to be that connection, that enjoyment, that love of the game and and maybe that takes precedent over, am I going to become an Olympian or am I going to be the greatest player on the planet or uh, something like that? There's this balance between pushing kids to, to be as good as they, as they can be and just creating a, a, a nurturing, positive environment where they really love participating. They love coming to practice. They love the time they're putting in no matter what the sport is. Yeah. Can, can that open and engaging personality be taught or is a person and a coach either just sort of, they've either got it or they don't? You know, to a certain degree, I think you, you sort of have it. Um, but like any skill, uh, it can be enhanced. It can be developed. There, there can be growth. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I remember, and, and I'm certainly not trying to position myself as the, as the role model here, but I, I just remember uh, being told by a number of very influential people in my life, which were who were mostly coaches or physical education instructors at an early age, that you can learn something from everyone. And sometimes you learn what not to do, mm-hmm. but that's just as important as what to do. And mm-hmm. I just remember growing up and making lots and lots of notes and keeping all kinds of notebooks on things I saw of coaches, of other players, of teams I would watch practice, of competition and the behavior of coaches on the bench during the match, etc. I just think that, um, I don't know, sometimes in our world today, we're 
you know, we're, we're eager to, uh, to achieve quickly and, uh, you know, there's pressure to, uh, to sort of measure ourselves uh, very, 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 very quickly, very soon in the process. And, and um, there's just so much value in trying to absorb everything that we, we experience, um, especially in, in this process of, of becoming a great coach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At, at um, Responsible Sports, when we talk about great coaches, we often emphasize their ability to teach beyond the sport. So they're going to be great with volleyball skills and strategy and and all that side, but they're also going to use the sport to teach bigger life lessons that their athletes can carry with them off the court. And I'm curious if there are specific sort of life lessons that you feel like volleyball as a sport um, teaches very well um, to the people who participate in it. You know, certainly those of us involved in volleyball talk about its uh, its unique team nature, that Mm -hmm. uh, it's very, very difficult for a single player to dominate the game, and so you you would think that uh, cooperation and teamwork mm-hmm. and uh, being part of a group uh, would be uh, pretty essential, I think, to the sport. You know, one of the things that I used to tell every team that I, I, I can recall being involved with is you're, you're not going to be a different person off the court than you are on the court. Mm. You're going to be sensitive to your teammates. You're going to be sensitive to your role. You're going to be responsible to being on time and working hard, you know, off the court as well as on the court. So the the, the players who, who regularly tried to communicate, you know, for example, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a not a good practice player, you know, wait for the games. I'll be great in the games mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, never resonated much with me. And, and frankly, uh, I, I can't point to very many examples where that's true. So I, I think, you know, I've been involved in team sports, not just volleyball my whole life, and I, I certainly am partial to the values that team sports can provide. And I think they, uh, I think anybody who's been involved would, would be hard-pressed to deny that uh, those lessons carry over into life and uh becoming disciplined and organized and structured in your life and learning how to get along with, you know, a wide variety of personalities and just on and on the socialization process, I think is, is hugely important. So um, I, I think those are, those are some of the things that come to mind. That's great. That's great. Um, so I wanted to turn our focus uh, for a second to your 1984 um, Olympic run to the gold medal and when you reflect back on that experience, um, were there some keys to your team's success or maybe some key messages that you imparted to your players that were sort of beyond the strategy or the tactics and maybe more sort of in the realm of, of sports psychology that you used with that group? Yeah, I think a couple things uh, were pretty pretty interesting about that group. You know, first of all, that was the first time that a U.S. men's team was was good enough to participate in the Olympics for quite a while. Um, a lot of people don't realize that uh, in almost every every instance, teams and individuals have to qualify to participate. Certainly we were the host country, but we also had earned our spot through other qualifications. So we were getting pretty good. But one of the things we did with that team was take them on a uh, what we thought of as kind of a life-changing experience. And about a year and a half before the Olympics, we went on an outward-bound experience. 
we wanted to take the team because we thought, you know, the, I guess the whole concept of team and the collective is bigger than the individual and all that kind of thing. We wanted to get them out of the, 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 the normal environment that they were comfortable with, which is playing games and practicing and, you know, being involved in the sport. We, we took them on an outward bound experience for about three and a half weeks uh, mm-hmm. during the winter in, uh, in southern Utah in the Canyonlands hmm. area of southern Utah. Lived in the snow, ate outside, camped, hiked, etc. Very few of the, of the guys on that team had ever done anything like that. And from my perspective, it was remarkably successful because it allowed us to show players who perhaps weren't one of the greatest performers as being highly skilled in other areas. Uh, and so the, the players got, I think, a different perspective on uh, who they related to and how they viewed their teammates and what was value and how they could get help from other players that maybe they didn't have as much respect for in the gym, but they did when they were mountain climbing or, or, or on belay with a, with mm-hmm. a particular player. It was, uh, I thought, a very positive experience for us. Uh, and we, we just always, I think, did a pretty good job of talking about the process, the journey, uh, rather than focusing our, our goals on we have to win a gold medal or mm-hmm. we have to be the number one ranked team in the world or whatever it is. You know, the, the process is something that could never stop. You can certainly present it that way um, versus a very fixed goal that becomes a success-failure issue immediately. Um, so I, I kind of like those, those kinds of concepts. Um, certainly, I think goal setting is really important, but the process of how to get from goal A to goal B maybe is more important than the goals themselves. Mm-hmm. One of the concepts we talk to responsible sports coaches about is sort of having a mastery approach with their athletes rather than just focusing on the scoreboard. It feels a lot very similar to what you're saying here where you really try to focus your athletes on their effort, their continuous learning, and then, you know, if you're going to be learning new things and giving 100%, you're bound to make mistakes. So you need to create an environment where mistakes are actually welcomed and, and players may make mistakes, but then they focus forward and they learn from them. And I'm curious if this idea of mastery is something that maybe you use with your players then or maybe even something you use inside of USA Volleyball now with your staff and, and your colleagues. And if you do use it, sort of what kinds of things you do to, to reinforce the importance of the effort and the learning and mistakes being okay? Yeah, I, I, I think that concept uh, uh, certainly resonates with me, and, and I think we do. And maybe... Maybe I talk about it slightly differently, but I, but I like your term of, of mastery. Um, we we try to create ways that um, individuals and groups, certainly within our office right now, can be winners. Uh, there are small ways almost daily, you know, solving a particular difficult problem for uh, a region or uh, enhancing a program, making it better for more participants, and with the team. We, we very much like to measure things. We very much like to give that kind of feedback to mm-hmm. uh, to the players. And if you structure that uh, the, the training environment appropriately, there can be 
so many ways that you can demonstrate mastery or winning or success and show the growth of someone in a drill, for example, or a training exercise over time. So, yeah, I think that's a, a very compelling concept for a, a team sport or probably any sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, to show, I guess that's still part of the process for me, to show that, um, that you're heading in the right direction and there are it's not necessarily a smooth path. It's not necessarily always going to go up from day one or week one to week two uh, at the same rate. But there are so many ways that you can structure mastery and winning um, that it, it really becomes a, a motivating opportunity for the the employee as well as the athlete as well as the coach, uh, et cetera. Great. I think um, one of the the big challenges that a number of youth coaches face is they don't they don't anticipate um, sort of the challenges they're going to face with parents, and that the parents can often sort of almost seem aggressive about how much playing time they think their kids deserve or which position their children should be allowed to play. And um, I think a lot of coaches end up quitting coaching because they don't like that sort of adversarial relationship with the parents. And I, I'm curious if, um, you know, if you feel like this is an issue in, in volleyball and something that you're having to deal with, and um, what message you would send to parents of volleyball players about how they could really have the most positive role in their kids' volleyball experience and, and have a positive relationship with their children's coaches. Yeah, that's what a great topic. <laughs> we, could, we could talk forever about the, uh, the involvement of parents and how, how best to uh, – to support your your child's involvement, I I have two kids and and both are pretty intimately involved in our sport and mm-hmm. they've gone through the club system. One's currently still in the club system, mm-hmm. um, and I've seen uh, situations where um, club uh, club directors or club owners um, go from the from one extreme to the other, where they they really exclude or limit. Mm-hmm. Parental involvement to where you sort of embrace parental involvement, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm much more comfortable with uh, the embracing and mm-hmm. and active involvement of the parents. I think you want the parents to be um, as knowledgeable, as aware, as uh, informed as they can possibly be. I think we see lots of enthusiastic participation by parents. They're they're desperately interested in uh, the, the performance, the progress of, of their children. The more educated we can make them mm-hmm. about the goals of the club, about the philosophy of the coach, about the, the rationale for decisions, you know, why are we practicing this way versus some other way, um, I think the more likely you are to have a positive relationship. You, you really want to direct your parents. We, we talk about within USA Volleyball um, trying to make the parents as informed consumers as they possibly can be. And it's a, it's a real challenge, um, you know, communicating with the parents and informing them and uh, trying to educate them is a real challenge because mostly the parents are not particularly familiar with the sport they're child may wind up uh, pursuing. But I think as a sort of as a, a, a base, you want to integrate the parents 
as early and as much as you possibly can. If there's a wonderful program um, that, that we're trying to develop on a national level that's kind of um, involved with very young kids just starting out in, in our sport that requires the participation of at least one parent. So as the kid is being exposed, as the youngster is being exposed to the sport, so is their parent. Sometimes maybe even learning the game with them, but understanding uh, some of the mechanics of the sport, but what we're trying to accomplish, how the, the skills are uh, acquired. Um, I, I, think, I think the parents under the right conditions can be just the most wonderful part of uh, a youngster's experience in the game. And, and it takes a lot of work, sometimes much more work, to uh, connect to the parents as it does to the kids. But, boy, the, uh, the reward, I think, is, is enormous. And um, I'm, I'm so familiar with lots of clubs around the country. We have so many connected to USA Volleyball, um, more than 6,000 right now. And many of the, the most successful ones uh, integrate the parents at, at the beginning of the, the youngsters' involvement with that club, encourages them to get involved um, in practices, encourages them to attend practices, really spends time and prioritizes time for the coach to talk to the parent or the club director to talk to the parents, sometimes one-on-one, but generally in a group, answer all the questions, be as open as possible. I think it's a really um, wonderful opportunity and long term is going to create a, a much more positive experience for for the youngster in that sport yeah that's great you're right we could we could talk about that one for an hour um, but I, I really like that summary um, so so inside responsible sports we talk about honoring the game and it's sort of our spin on sportsmanship um, where we talk about wanting players and coaches and parents to respect the roots of the game, which is an acronym where you want them to respect the rules, their opponents, the officials, their teammates, and themselves. Um, and I'm curious if there are specific examples in, in your sport, in volleyball, where you feel like players and coaches perhaps find it most difficult um, to consistently honor the game. And, you know, is that is it issues around honoring the officials or the rules or which part of it do you think is sort of the biggest challenge within your sport? Yeah, one of the things that comes to mind for me is this concept of being a competitor. Uh, we read a lot about that in, in the, the sports world. We see a lot of it um, when we turn on the television and uh, observe, I, I think, so commonly behaviors that uh, – many of us find uh, disagreeable. Um, so uh, part of honoring the game, I think, is respecting and honoring your opponent. Um, and one of the things we try to teach is, you know, celebrate your successes. Don't necessarily celebrate your opponent's failures. And we, we try to teach in volleyball where you, you have this separation of with the net, et cetera, that when you celebrate, celebrate internally on your side of the court, not looking at the opponent. And I just think that, um, you know, if you teach focusing on making the best effort on every action that you're, you're going to make on your side, um, 
Sometimes it's going to be good enough. Sometimes it's not going to be good enough because you're really not much in control of what your opponent does. Certainly in volleyball, it's relatively easy to talk about this, and it varies, I think, sport by sport. But you can't control how effectively an opponent serves the ball. You don't necessarily control how effectively the opponent passes the ball. You might have the greatest serve in the world, but they might pass it effectively. You might might serve the easiest serve that somebody might miss. So you're not necessarily in control of the opponent. All you're really in control of is the effort and the action you can uh, that you perform on your side of the net. And uh, and I guess that that carries over to a certain degree into winning and losing. Mm-hmm. Winning and losing is not really the most important thing. We hope, you know, it's how you play. And if you play well. And if you constantly are getting better, if you're constantly improving and you're constantly working on your skills and your team-oriented approach to the game, winning, losing sort of takes care of itself. You don't have to spend a lot of time looking at the scoreboard or Mm -hmm. worrying about it. And and frankly, I think that would eliminate a lot of the, the pressure that kids feel when you find them spending lots of time paying attention to the score instead of paying attention to how they're playing the game. Yeah. We know, uh, we know players play better and they're a lot um, less anxious and sort of enjoy it when they feel like they have control. And I think everything you mentioned there, if it's about effort and improvement and learning new things and, you know, all those that you can control those where ultimately you can't control the opponent or, you know, whether or not you win the match. Doug, I want to thank you so much for taking the time today um, with me and our Responsible Sports listeners. I really think a lot of your your stories and your insights and your philosophies are going to help the parents and the coaches and the athletes who are listening. So thanks again for taking the time with us today. Gina, my pleasure. And uh, thank you guys for all you do to to really make the the world of coaching uh, a much better place. To learn more about Responsible Sports, visit ResponsibleSports.com. You'll find valuable responsible sport parenting and responsible coaching guides, downloadable tools and worksheets, and helpful advice from leading youth sports experts. Music for this podcast has been generously provided by APM Music.